Hey guys, welcome back to Ben There, the story sharing podcast bringing more visibility to the female collegiate athlete experience. With athletes from across the country, we speak candidly about the highs and the lows of the life of a female collegiate athlete. I'm Michaela, I'm a varsity athlete at Stanford, and I'll be your host for today. So today we're going to be hearing from Sarah. She runs track at Stanford. And first, we're going to take a listen to Sarah's story. And then afterwards, I will ask a few follow-up questions about some of the different topics that she brings up. Hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Sarah, and this is just a little story to let you know that I've been there. I wish I had recorded some of how I was feeling during this time because I was rattled um, emotionally, physically, mentally. I was just angry all the time, sad all the time, confused, you name it. Um, And now I kind of have a little bit more perspective on it, but I'll try to give you the clearest picture I have. So I was super pumped for sophomore year hoping to build off my freshman year track career and just get better and go to practice, loved my team. Um, Yeah, I was dealing with pain in my feet over the summer, but I figured it would go away by the time school started. And I took a bunch of weeks off and was cross training and then started running again and things didn't really get better, but I still held on to this hope that I would magically get better when school happened. And surprise, uh, that didn't happen. Things just got worse and worse until I couldn't run anymore. I had pain in both my feet and I was out. For the first few weeks, I was super optimistic that if I just stretched and did PT, that this would just go away and my season would happen and everything would be great. Um, I think this naive approach kept me going for the first couple weeks And as we got into the later stages of my injury and started moving towards more aggressive treatments, I still had this belief that I would be back on the track and I would be running fast. And this was basically all I did to cope with the injury for the first few weeks. When things didn't seem like they were going to get any better anytime soon, I think this is when I started to freak out a little. And when I say freak out, I sort of mean that I just got really angry. I was angry that my coaches weren't more involved in my injury process. Um, I was sad that I couldn't do what I loved and also kind of sad that, you know, little things. Like I wasn't feeling that feeling that you get when you do a really hard workout. Um, And those are just things that sound really random to someone who's not an athlete. Like, oh, I didn't get to do that really hard workout. Oh, like that sucks but when you're in it for so long for such a long part of your life um that really does determine a lot of how you feel is if you get to exercise and feel good about it I started to feel really low when I felt like I couldn't even be myself um I'm usually pretty happy and energetic and probably kind of annoying to be around just because I'm loud and a lot of things, but (laughs) I just felt like 
you know, I would say no to things because I was worried about walking on my feet or just not wanting to go in general. One of the last straws for me before I really thought I needed to see someone and talk about things was when I started to struggle with body image. Um, I had been such a small person for so long. Um, For basically my whole life, I was underdeveloped and really thin. And this was just because I had always been super active and also just genetically, um, my family has a couple late bloomers. I had put on weight my freshman year, but didn't really realize it because I was still competing and happy and less focused on how I looked and more on how I felt. And when I was hurt, I really started to focus on this a lot and notice, oh, like, whoa, when did you start looking like this? And this is gross and you need to not look like this. My PT encouraged me to go talk to someone about this and I started seeing somebody once a week just to go over my injury, my thoughts about body image, other issues I just had kind of more deep down that I didn't even realize. And this became a really nice outlet for me to go to every Friday um, for, you know, half of my sophomore year. Most of my therapy during this time, though, was exercising And as painful as it was that I couldn't run, I still needed to go do my exercise. Just for me, I couldn't just stop that at all. And there were times I lost motivation or had less drive, but something that definitely helped me stay sane through all of this was just being able to go to the pool, do a workout, leave, and feel like at least part of this athlete in me was still there. Towards the end of the spring was when I finally saw some progress and started to be able to run again on the ground. And I definitely was super grateful for those first couple runs I had, even if they were only 10 minutes long, they were something. I think this was the turning point for me, not only physically, but starting to realize that I had the agency to make things different if I wanted to. Um, Only in some ways, though, like I couldn't have controlled my injury or anything about that, but I realized that there were situations I was in on my team that weren't going to necessarily bring me to the outcomes I wanted, and that spurred me to have a discussion with our coaching staff and have me move to a different training group. I started to let go of all that frustration I had towards my coaches and sadness that I couldn't feel like myself and just started to be more grateful. Um, And I really carried that into my next year of competing, which was totally by numbers wise, not a great year for me, but emotionally and physically I was healthy and I was grateful to be running. I wish I could have said that that was the end of my injury saga and the growth I would do through that um, definitely had more struggles throughout my college career and probably will have more. But if anything, I just am hoping that this platform helps other athletes realize that there's a lot of people going through the same stuff and just bring awareness to a lot of the changes that might happen to your body throughout college and maybe some strategies with how to deal with this 
and how to control the things that you can control. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you so much for being so honest in that. I I definitely related to your story and some of those struggles. Um, and I think the first thing that I was hoping to hear a little bit more about is how your teammates were there for you um, during that time. Yeah, so I think like everyone's first instinct is to kind of talk to your teammates because you just trust them and they're going through the same stuff as you and they're there to support you but in my experience and I think a lot of people feel this way is that we're so busy at school that even if someone has the best intentions in mind and like really wants to help you it's just they can only do so much with the time that they have and I sort of notice this pattern with a lot of people where they're there for you like when you're really upset and right in that moment and then maybe they'll kind of follow up with you after but it's not kind of this constant thing that you can have always like you would maybe like a therapist just because people can only give so much time but I would say teammates are definitely a great resource when you're struggling it's just not the same consistency as someone that's literally their job to talk to you right And how did you stay connected with your teammates, especially when you weren't practicing? Yeah, I think it was really, it was honestly really hard to stay fully connected. Um, You know, sports is so physical and when you're in it, you're in it. And when you're not, it's, you really feel like you're not in it. But yeah, it was definitely a challenge to feel like part of the team. And one of the hardest things I remember was going to like the very beginning of practice our coach at the time would want everyone who was injured to just show up while we had to listen to everyone's workout for the day and then once you know the meeting was over we just kind of left to go to the pool or left to go back to our dorms while everyone got to start running that part was hard and you almost kind of want to pull away more just totally disconnect and I did actually there was like a week or two of school where I actually just kind of distance myself from the team like I purposely had a conversation with my coach and said you know I just don't want to be around this right now like I just it's really hard for me um so I think at like some level it's helpful to be like to stay engaged to still like be in contact with your teammates because they'll always try to make you feel better but sometimes you kind of just need to separate yourself a little bit yeah and how did you come to that decision Um, I remember having a lot of conversations with my physical therapist, um, but I remember talking with her and just saying how draining it was to keep going to practice and seeing everyone so excited and then not being able to be a part of it. And she kind of opened up that idea that, you know, I could just kind of step away from a little, not like be off the team or anything, but just kind of have my own space and be able to just work on my physical therapy and work on my altered G progression and not actually have to go to athletics. For sure. And in your story, you talked a little bit about learning to let go of the uncontrollables. And I guess I'm wondering, was it your therapist that helped you start that process? I think it 
was definitely when I started talking with my therapist regularly, just getting all that stuff out and like having someone hear it can help you kind of let it go. I think, you know, obviously therapy isn't just for you to talk, like they also help you come up with strategies and like almost like game plans for how you're going to handle something when, you know, when something happens that you want to react to badly. So I think at the moment it was more just like controlling my emotions, which sounds kind of funny because you wouldn't necessarily think about it as that, like, but I was just kind of like learning how to not be angry or not be sad. And then I think honestly, just like the rest of it kind of fell in place just as I naturally like got older and got more mature. Like I think I was still pretty immature sophomore year of college, but you know, that wasn't my fault. It was just kind of how I naturally, I just like went through life and, you know, came to college pretty immature in certain aspects. And like that kind of just faded away as I got older. For sure. After the initial meetings, what was the most helpful thing and what kept you going back? I don't know. I think for me, the most beneficial part was just actually going there and talking because I talk a lot and like I'll talk forever. And so actually having someone that (laughs) has to sit there and listen and, you know, it's part of their job to make you feel better, but also just having someone be able to connect with you and like, you know, acknowledge the things you're going through and you know, I think that was the most helpful for me. It was just like the actual act of going there. And also another thing is like when you're in that situation of just like feeling like whatever you do isn't helping you get better physically, like if you're injured, but each one of those sessions just feels like something you're doing, like it's something productive. At least that's how I felt. Yeah. Well, after all that you've learned and all of that you've been through, What's something that you might say to someone who might be in a similar position now? I think I would say to somebody younger, definitely the classic stuff, like if if they're feeling like they want to reach out, but they're embarrassed, like don't be embarrassed at all, stuff like that. Like I remember the first day that I went to the therapist, I ran into one of my other teammates who, you know, I didn't know that she was also going to this place to get therapy. And it was kind of just funny because... I don't think either of us were embarrassed. We were more just kind of like surprised to see each other. But yeah, that's kind of the first thing is like, don't be embarrassed. And I guess the second thing, which is just try as best you can to stay the same person that you want to be. I think I kind of let the injury that I had kind of dictate how I behaved and the kind of person I was. And I think while it was really hard at times to just remain like kind of the happy and outgoing person that I am, I think that trying to just stay true to who I was is something that was valuable as I started to like see the light and like just try to hold on to what made me me and what made me happy and um, not losing sight of that. Definitely. Okay, switching gears a little bit, can you say a little bit more about body image? I mean, you alluded to it a little bit in the podcast, but I wanted to hear more about what that's been like for you. Yeah, sure. And I think this is probably, like, I talk a lot about my injury stuff, kind of like, you know, that's in the past and that's pretty much done. And 
I have had more injuries, but right now I feel like I've, you know, kind of conquered that beast in terms of how I react to things like that. Um, I'd say like the body image stuff is still kind of an ongoing thing where I still think about it a lot. And I think the hardest part for me is just having this image of how I used to look. And my sport is just generally like a lot of thin, small girl, like women. I shouldn't say girls because like we're all old enough, but like kind of look like girls. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's just kind of an ongoing thing I've been working on. And just to remember like how more, much more powerful I am now and the things that I can, can do now that I couldn't do when I was so small and trying to find a balance of like, you know, with track, it's just interesting because like, you do want to have kind of like, an ideal race weight, but you often like don't know that. And there's no scientific way of knowing that. It's just kind of, you know, when you feel the best is kind of your ideal race weight. And so just trying to find that naturally um, and not focusing too much on, oh, I need to like be like this skinny or blah, 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 but just kind of like letting how I feel dictate, you know, my goals in terms of that. Yeah. I mean, I'm wondering for a sport like track where you have like the quote unquote distance body type or the sprinter body type, like what kind of pressures come with that? Yeah. So my event, the 800, is kind of more unique in that like you can have more of a range of body types and them all be just as successful. Um, But I think I forget that a lot just because Stanford is a pretty more like distance focused um, program and so I think even though in my specific event like the girls I would race against um, look different the girls that I would train with all kind of look the same and yeah that's kind of like that thin small kind of frame there is kind of like not an ideal but like a generally uh, widely accepted version of like a successful runner looks like X. So like as a distance runner, like my freshman, sophomore year, I was kind of oblivious to body image stuff or not oblivious, but I just, you know, freshman year is when I didn't focus on it at all. And sophomore year was kind of when I was like, oh, wow, like this is happening. But I didn't really understand like what to think about it. And then my junior year when I was on the sprint team, I wasn't like, you know, girls who are sprinters are, you know, more muscly and just kind of bigger in general. And so I kind of let go of those feelings a lot last year, just because of the people I was surrounded by. And then now this year, again, kind of being around the distance runners, like, I think it has kind of popped in my head a bit more, just based off of who you're around. Yeah. Did you have, like, a specific time when those issues came up? Yeah, and I would even say, like, for me, like, in high school, I didn't think about it at all. Like, I knew I was small, but I didn't realize how small I was. And I think I was surprised to, like, notice how much I started thinking about it in college. This is probably something that most people go through, which is just probably the worst, is, like, relatives, like, creepy relatives or, like, people that you know making comments to you when you come home, and, like, that definitely happened for me, where I would come home and someone be like, oh, you're finally a woman now, or, like, something, like, honestly, somebody said that to me, and, like, that's the worst, is, like, when you're not, (laughs) yeah, you just, 
it's just super off-putting and I'm sure so many other people have had that experience especially like athletes um who were really small and kind of like grew a lot more in college but yeah that's that's just something that's just yeah gross (laughs) for sure and those creepy comments really matter like they add up real quickly um kind of in the same vein uh with body image in general what has your relationship with lifting and developing more muscles been like and how has that if it has how has that changed your relationship with your body and your body image yeah and i i'm definitely someone that like i you know didn't lift a ton in high school you know you don't really lift a lot in running but i started lifting my senior year of high school and i ever since i started doing more heavy lifts like olympic lifts and squats and stuff i just like love that stuff and so um yeah it's definitely a shame that like girls kind of have to see themselves as you know oh I don't want to get too beefy like they always want us to kind of just like always keep pushing yourselves which often means going up in weight and I I guess I never really noticed any pushback but now that you mention it I've seen people lift weights where I'm like you definitely can lift more than that and that's probably kind of where that's coming from um and then I think one thing like I started thinking about was how like the stereotypical like attractive female and I definitely think like even though people posting on Instagram about their fitness routines is more just like annoying than it is anything but I'd say like a good thing that's kind of come out of that is that I feel like the athletic body is now becoming more normalized as like attractive with like the rise and kind of like fitness like guru people that post and like share their workouts and stuff like that. So I think we're, like, trending upwards, at least in that regard. And I think, like, another part is that, like, there's a lot of people out in the world that want to look like athletes. And, like, I think for me, I had this really funny experience where I went for a run. And that day, I just, I don't know, I was just not feeling, like, that good about myself. And just, like, wasn't feeling like I looked or, you know, it was just one of those days. And I was doing these, like squat and push-ups and some exercises in this circuit and these two ladies like older ladies walked by um and I thought they were gonna tell me something about quarantine and how like I shouldn't be outside touching the bench and stuff but they were like oh my gosh like in my next life I want to look like you and it was just like so random and like I I don't know it just made me laugh and made me feel a little bit better on that day where I just hadn't been feeling that good about myself Yeah, I mean, that's funny, too, because like what you said earlier, like those comments really can make you feel better or worse, you know? Yeah, and I guess as long as you keep in mind, like the positive ones, they'll start to, you know, make the other ones go away. For sure. Okay, well, to kind of close out, what are three things that you're really grateful for right now? Okay, three. Okay, my first thing is definitely like my health right now um, and my training. I feel like since school's ended and kind of that stress of school is not as present I've been able to you know do all the recovery stuff I need and I've been feeling good and healthy and feeling like my training's been going well so that's definitely one of my gratefuls um I've also been really grateful for my friends like old friends especially because I've been able to you know reconnect with some people here um so definitely friends and family second and then third 
I guess this is just like situational, but I've been able to hang out with my boyfriend for, you know, past six weeks and we'd been doing like distance relationships. So that's been nice. Don't know if this is going in your podcast, but <laughs> shout out, shout out Grant. Um, shout out to Grant Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so definitely, yeah, those are my three gratefuls. I love those. Thanks for sharing them. And uh, also just thank you for sharing all of your experiences today. Um, I do really appreciate it. Glad I can use my babbling mouth for good. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Been There. If you've enjoyed listening, be sure to follow us on Spotify and check out our Instagram at bennair.podcast. And we hope to see you on the next one.